0: Well, this morning I, uh, I want to uh, share with you that we're embarking on a new series. And as we do so, it's my Iron Man watch. I just called in, a, called in backup. Um, it should be here shortly. No, that's not. In case you're wondering if I just lied, I did not lie. That was a precursor to our series. And so what I am going to do is I did call backup. I'm going to ask for my helper to bring to me something that's very important for this series. Jazzy, could you please bring to us... Oh my goodness, are you really able to hold this thing? Thank you for not snapping. (laughs) Especially since your name is Jazz. (laughs) Get it? Good thing I wasn't wearing that when I just did that joke, right? So, uh, shameless prop... But it did certainly get all the attention of the kids this morning. And part of the reason that we'll have this prop up over the summer is we're embarking on a new sermon series. And we're going to be having our, uh, uh, some of our children in with us over the summer. Why are we doing this sermon series? Well, for multiple reasons. First of all, the series is called Heroes. And part of the reason that we're doing this series is for the encouragement of knowing how we can live a supernatural life. Knowing how we can do a supernatural life in a super nasty world. Alright, so there's your, there's your quote and your focus. Uh, another reason why I felt compelled to do this series is we're going to be embarking on uh, the true essence and the, and the meat of our Build theme this year coming up uh, June, July, and August. And you're going to hear all about that coming up next week. But a big part of that is our effort to... It's so funny, none of you are looking here. You're all looking here. Stop. This is just a shameless prop. This is real. This is real, Jer, right here. All right? Um, We're embarking on a very exciting time this summer. Connected to our build theme. And so as we do so, we are providing an environment that will... Help you create some excitement to those around you. To bring them so that they might hear some relevant truth right out of Scripture that's life-changing truth right out of Scripture. And help them understand how, what the world is really geeked out about right now. These are just stories, but in some senses, these stories reflect things that are true right out of Scripture. And we're going to connect those dots all summer long. And, and so hopefully by doing this, we're giving you the opportunity to say, hey, there's this great, unique sermon series going on and would love to bring you. The other part is because God is greater than a gauntlet. Right? God is greater than a gauntlet. Now, some of you are looking at this and you're like, I don't even know what this silly thing is. That's okay, don't, don't waste your time, don't worry about it, but... Um, you know, by the end of the by the end of the series or the middle of the series, you may end up watching some some superhero movies on TV. Who knows? As we get into this idea this morning, I'm gonna be doing a comparison all summer long in this series out of Hebrews eleven. Hebrews eleven is a famous chapter in Scripture that's called the Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith. And it really is looking back at the heroes of the faith. And so, as we look and we see this, this great graphic, you see a lot of different individuals that are listed in Hebrews 11. This is where we will reside uh, for the next three months. Or, or for, for eight, eight messages. As we do so, we're going to intertwine this with some principles of what it means to walk in faith. How to live a supernatural life in a super nasty world. As we do so, we can draw upon number one, Christ. That's where we really go to first. Hear me clearly on that. We go to Christ first, but we look also in the real spectrum of things. How is it that God is working through people? Does this work? Does this actually work? Or is it just a fairy tale story? Is it just a comic book? And it, I think you'll be amazed. I know you'll be amazed. So, you know, we've got this Avengers mania that's happening. And it was kind of fun. I might show a picture later on uh, what we did. We we like to go out for these movies. I like to go out for these movies on the pre-opening night. I call it the Freaks and Geeks night. And uh, so I decided to actually participate in that this past, uh, this past one. Uh, and uh, dressed up like the arch-villain. It's amazing how many people want to take pictures with the arch-villain. It it was a little scary. Um, But uh, uh, there's just this huge mania within our society. And this last movie, Endgame, just brought in billions. Billions of dollars It broke all the records. Why? Why would a movie have that kind of impact? Why would we spend billions of dollars on a movie when there is so much else that is going on, there's so much suffering? That's a really good question for us to ask ourselves. That there is so much suffering, there's so much need around us all the time, but we're willing to shell out, I shelled out quite a bit of money uh, for my family to go and and experience this. There's a need for a hero. We have a need for a hero. Our hero is Jesus Christ. Amen? What He has done, what He has accomplished, and what He continues to do far exceeds anything that an infinity gauntlet can do. So as you see this shameless prop up here, and, and as long as there's batteries, that's all. <laughs> Maybe afterwards you can, uh, you can come wield the infinity gauntlet. Can I just tell you that that comes nowhere close to speaking like this does. Yes. Nowhere close. This is where the true power is. So why are we doing this series? Because I think we need to be reacquainted with the power of Jesus Christ. I think our society has demonstrated, and we even demonstrate, that we have a need for something that's so much greater than what we are. We need supernatural power in our life to meet a super nasty world. So this morning, my challenge is to ask several questions. We're going to be in, like I said, Hebrews 11:1 through 12:3 uh, throughout, uh, throughout the series. Uh, Today's more of an intro. But one of the things we're also going to do is we're going to be doing uh, CBC hero testimonies. And we're going to do that on an experimental level this morning. Uh, you'll see me do the first one and then after that you will have opportunity to contact me during the week and say i would like to recommend this person for the cbc pantheon of of heroes Uh, but this morning we'll do a test drive of that and and give you opportunity after the sermon to just speak and give testimony about someone else probably isn't going to work for you to stand up and say how great you are and, and all the things you can do, this is more about recognizing someone else and God working in someone else. And just understand, the passage we'll be sitting in is all about walking in faith. And so as you think about individuals around you, think of those that have taken those steps of faith, that have encouraged, that have been that bright light in your life, and think about sharing testimonies about that. This morning, we're going to be in Hebrews eleven thirteen 13-16. Let me go ahead and put it up on the screen. And this is more of the inspiration to this chapter. This is more of us understanding what is the end game, if I can shamelessly use that, what is the end game in our faith? And what we're seeking to do, and, and what was it for these individuals, all of these uh, incredible... Patriarchs and matriarchs throughout the the totality of Scripture. And I think if if there was an area that I could narrow it down to, it's in starting in verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to go all the way to verse 16. Join me if you will as we read this. These all died in faith. Now let me stop because I'm going to encourage you to go back and over the summer you're going to see the entire chapter. Who are these? These are individuals like Abraham, like Noah, like Moses, like Sarah, like Rahab, like Joseph. That is whom this author is speaking about. He's writing a story of inspiration. And so here is kind of the conclusion. We're we're fast-forwarding to the end of the matter and saying why did these individuals make it into this chapter, into this pantheon of faith? And he's saying this, these all died in faith. Doesn't start out too hopeful, does it? They died in their faith. Keep reading. Not having received the things promised. Well, it's not getting any better, Pastor Jer. But it certainly does sound like reality, doesn't it? But, for He has prepared for them a city." Just a tremendous understanding because any good story has conflict in it. Any good story has tension. Why? Because we relate. We insert ourselves into the story. That's why billions were made on this series, or actually just this movie, but billions upon billions was made on 22 movies. Marvel is flush with cash. Why? Because we need a good story that gives us hope. And what happens in this story that the writer of Hebrews says, they all died in faith. Well, our focus can be, well, that's horrible. (laughs) They all died. Let me help you out with the spoiler alert. Folks, we're all going to die. We were not meant because of God's focus and His provision for us, and because of the curse, we're not meant to live in this super nasty state. God has provided a better place. And hopefully you heard that at the end of what the anthologist records. But he says it's because of their faith it's their faith that carried them through. Not having even received the things promised. And here we're going to speak in a little bit. I'm going to mention a, a modern day hero in William Borden. And you're going to be able to relate to the things that he went to and he went after and he, and he sought after and he thought those were things promised. And here I just told you that, that he prayed those things. And, and just like George Miller, he prayed those things that were the promises of Scripture. He saw some of those things happen. But what the writer's talking about are endgame promises. For instance, Abraham was promised what? Well, he was promised a lot. But he was promised an inheritance of a family that would outnumber the sands on the seashore, Right? Did he see that? No, you have to to get the greater view, the greater perspective. Did that happen? Yes. Is Abraham able to see that from from afar? In the presence of, of his God and Savior? Yes. But sometimes we want to see the fruition, we want to see the end game to all that God has promised right now. The challenge for us is to lean on the promises that He gives and understand how they work in the totality of His time and His economy. Because these people did. And that's why they were able to live supernaturally. And to get to the the, the main point, part of what they understood, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, so much of the time if you want to live in a supernatural state, You have to deny the things around you that make you common. These individuals gave up what was common to pursue God. There is a cost to pursuing the supernatural. And that cost is to exchange the ordinary for the extraordinary. And while we look at these heroes of the faith, Right? Abraham, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Sarah, Rahab, on and on. We look at these individuals, Esther and and others that are listed, Samson. We can look at them and say, there's tragedy involved in each of their lives. There's suffering involved in each of their lives. Their lives were difficult, and yet, in the end, they remained faithful. So, Pastor Jeremy, there's a lot of tension here of course there is and there's probably a lot of tension in your life if you've got it all wrapped up and you're wielding the infinity gauntlet and you can just make it happen on a snap i want to meet you i want to hear all about your perfect life and how you figured out how to make that happen on your own but you see these heroes these heroes in scripture struggled. What an amazing concept. Would you write it that way? If you're writing about heroes, would you write about their struggles, their difficulties, their flaws? By the way, that is one of the ways that our series matches this whole Avengers idea. And every once in a while, I'll refer to that so that there's some, we can dive into a little bit of culture so that I'm being honest to. To the point in using the shameless prop. But let's get into what makes a hero. That really is our focus this morning. What is a hero as we introduce this series? What are biblical heroes? Actually, there was a great quote out of uh, the very first Captain America movie. And the protagonist and the antagonist, you know, a great, great part of any story, the tension, the battle that's going on. There is a uh, there's a, it's always a Nazi, right? It's always a Nazi. That you, you know, it, it, it makes it so easy to hate the guy. You can just jump. You don't have to spend time in character development. They just, they're Nazi. Ugh, you know, bad guy. And so there's the leader of this group and I don't know, it was Baron, Baron von Hootie Hootie or whatever his name is, I don't remember, but ultimately he is defined as Red Skull. And he and Captain America were inserted with this same serum. What makes a biblical hero? You see, that serum supposedly it deformed Red Skull. Because it wasn't just about giving you incredible physical abilities. It enhanced everything, including your character. And so it's interesting because as these two are battling, they've been given the same exact serum. And when Red Skull realizes how strong Cap is, there's a great quote he says what makes you so special and cap says with humility nothing i'm just a kid from brooklyn what made jesus so special he said to peter unless you're willing to let me wash your feet you can have no part of me there is power in humility you want a hero look for the humble thread in their life and so as we look at this idea, this first idea, it has to do with honor. Are they honorable? So let me comp- you know, do the contrast of Moses and Cap. God was not ashamed to be called their God. I'm not talking about Cap, I'm talking about Moses. Alright, so you're going to have to do the transposition here. So let me, look, let me take us to uh, verses 23 and 25, if you will says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. If your children were threatened and your lives were threatened if you did not turn over your child, can you imagine the kind of faith that would be required? Can you imagine the kind of faith that would be required to put your child in a basket and turn it loose into the Nile River? And yet God had plans for Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Faith stands in the face of fear. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Here's where you get into the honorable aspects of who Moses was. He did not deny his history. He did not deny. He did for a moment when the tension hit. When the difficulty hit. But ultimately, Moses embraced his lineage. We go on saying, by faith, Moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for He was looking to the reward. What is a biblical hero? It's someone who's honorable. It is someone who is honorable, who wants to live the supernatural life under God, under Jesus Christ, rather than the super nasty life. And the anthologist here, the author writes to us and familiarizes us, reacquaints us with the character of Moses that he was honorable enough to deny being one of the most powerful in all of civilization. To walk away from the riches of Egypt just like Hany and Elham. They brought Egypt with them. And he embraced who God had for him to be. That's a hero. Someone who's honorable. And so God was not ashamed to be called their God. What a tremendous thing. What a tremendous epitaph on your grave marker. That God would not be ashamed. Was Moses perfect? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, Moses was a, a what? a murderer and yet what's recorded in scripture is that god was not ashamed to be called his god brothers and sisters that is it that is the end game for us there is such a prolific part that is the final scene that's scene three That's what we should strive for. That's what we should hold in the front of our minds. In every day and every moment when we make choices, do those choices fit with the honor of what it means to live a supernatural life in the guidance of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in accordance with Scriptures so that our God is not ashamed to be called our God? And it says they have a reservation in heaven. Moses had a reservation in heaven. Those same promises for those who follow God. You may not be Moses, I may not be Moses, but I'll guarantee you our names are listed at the same level, at the same quality, with the same ink in the book of life. Moses doesn't get his name in there three times, five times. As far as I know, there's no special index. His name is there, my name is there, is your name there? I have a reservation. And by the way, how many of you have ever prepared for company? My goodness, we are exhausted. My wife and I have had event after event after My kids decided to just pace themselves so that all of this would happen at the same time. Dylan graduating from college, Gentry becoming an adult, uh, then Gentry graduates this coming week, and it is just like I'm out in the... I cannot tell you how many times I've dug out our horseshoe pits and nobody has used them. Right? Preparation, preparation, preparation. Can you imagine what God is doing to prepare for your reservation? You see, that's the end game. That's how you live outside the super nasty and you embrace the supernatural. Keep the end game in sight. Second, equipped. By the way, we're using a very fancy... And and highly touted uh, uh, technique in teaching here. I don't know if you've caught it. Hero, you know H E R O. We're we're gonna move through it. H- has anybody caught onto that yet? Is it? Just checking you. Hey, careful! I'm gonna hit this thing to wake you guys all up. Equipped, able, and cap. So there's a great statement again in one of these one of these movies, and it's in uh, in Avengers movie and. What ends up happening is there's a great war that's coming. And T'Challa, king of Wakanda, starts giving directions. And it's nervous time. It's sweat time. And he says, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And then he says, and give that man a shield. And the whole theater goes, yeah! Right? And if nobody's ever gone to the movie, they're like, what is wrong with all these people? Because you know the whole story. And boy, if Cap goes into a, a war or a battle without his shield, it's a little bit different. You're like, mm, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of abilities, but he's really got to go in equipped. He's got to go in equipped. Even more so, what about Abel? This Scripture speaks about Abel, speaks about him in the beginning. Verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he what? Died. Every good movie usually has some kind of loss. Right? You have to feel the tension of sacrifice. Sacrifice. One of the greatest things about our faith and the cross that stands before me and what we will participate in communion is that God died that we might be free. It isn't just a magnificent story, it is a romantic story, and it's one that draws us in to the story. Abel died pleasing God. And Scripture says he was what? Commended for it. God remembered him. There's no promise against difficulty. There's no promise about surviving in this land. We're all going to die. It's about what's going to happen afterwards. And what we do now, to quote another movie, echoes in eternity. So Abel is commended because he came equipped. He came equipped with a proper heart. He came equipped with the proper sacrifice. He came equipped so that what He brought was proper and good for where He was endeavoring to go and what He was endeavoring to do. And what He was offering. What are we offering to God? Are we equipped properly? I'm preaching to the choir because you're here today. I, th- I shared with you guys a little bit two weeks ago. We were heading out on vacation, and, and we were trying to get the timing because we had a hotel, and, and we could get in there at, at like, I don't know, two in the afternoon on Sunday, and I'm like, I'm doing the math and the commute, and over to Capitol, I'm like, I think we just need to go, because you know, time is money here, you know, paid money for this hotel room, And, and, uh, and these heavenly words entered into my ears. Really? you're not going to church? You're going to be one of those? I'm like, no! No, I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying we just got to get out quick, okay? We just got to... The idea of being equipped, I commend you for being here so that you are being equipped so that you might live the supernatural life. I encourage you, do not deviate from that because if the enemy can make it so that we are no longer equipped, we will not be living the supernatural life. We will be taken from the pantheon of the biblical heroes. It is important that we stay focused. It is important that we are equipped the way God has asked us to be equipped so that we are prepared to receive what he has for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. They had a heavenly perspective. Abel had a heavenly perspective. Last night at our marriage conference, we heard from the parrots, uh, not like physical parrots, but the couple Their last name is Parrot and they emphasized the idea that a big reason we have so many conflicts in our marriages is because our perspectives are different. It doesn't mean one perspective's right over a different one. It just means our perspectives are different. And so, one of the consistencies of all of these heroes of the faith listed here in Hebrews 11 is that they all had a heavenly perspective. It shaped their day-to-day choices. What will I do with what I've been given and what God has equipped me for? Am I going to live for a heavenly perspective? Or am I going to live for my current circumstances and my current situation. It is amazing that when we think with this perspective, how much we are freed from the pain and the suffering that is all around us. They live by faith. They live by faith. Knowing that they believed in that which they could not touch, that which they could not see. We'll get to it. It's listed in Hebrews uh, 11.1 and I think in in, uh, verse 6 as well. We'll circle back around to that at a later date. You can reference it uh, uh, later today or during the week. But they live by faith. This is not easy. This is not easy. And so as we see that Abel was equipped, I'll take you back to a scene that just happened recently in this last movie. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it and you want to see it. Um, Pretty much it just came down to Captain America versus the enemy. And it was a no-win situation. And he was pretty beat down. And the end was near. Right? That's how they make all these movies. There's no way he's going to win. And he takes his shield that he's equipped with and he tightens it as tight as he can as he's bleeding and as he's beaten. And there's no chance for him to win. And he stands up slowly. And he turns and slowly walks in faith to meet his enemy. Because there was something deeper inside of him that said, I'm not going to stay down. But he never saw what was coming. He just stood up in faith. Now that's just a silly story. But these individuals, Abel served in faith. Moses served in faith. All of these listed in 11. Chapter 11, served in faith. What are we doing? Are we equipped with faith? Faith is not just a momentary belief in God to where we we commit our lives to Him. There is a journey of faith that happens. There are moments every day where you can choose to live in the supernatural or to to live in the super nasty. Resilient. Samson. We uh, hopefully some of us are familiar with Samson, this biblical hero, uh, fine character guy, right? Ladies' man, uh, had it all going on. Had those those uh, what was that guy's name? Fabio had those Fabio locks from the '70s, right? He was a Head and Shoulders guy, and uh, Samson struggled. You're hearing the theme, right? Every single one of these individuals, these heroes listed in this chapter struggled. There's a point of weakness. And yet, he was resilient at the end. How many of us get beat down and we say we're not worthy? We have no business asking God for anything. We have failed. We can't do this. And yet, Samson looked to something deeper. He looked to his God in faith and resiliency at the end. He said, give me strength one more time that I may honor you in the face of this deplorable people. That I may answer your enemies, God. It wasn't about him. He called upon God because he was focused on God. And in faith, he asked in resiliency, That God would give him power one more time. And he did. They died not having yet received what was promised. There were a lot of promises to the nation of Israel and Samson was one of its judges. Samson never got to see all of those promises realized. But it wasn't for Samson to see all of those promises realized. He was part of the greater plan that God had instituted. And part of Samson's death and part of Samson's life was the anthology of his faithfulness to God, his resiliency to stand up in the face of destruction, to stand up in the face of humiliation and failure, and to say, I claim God again. And by doing so, he inspired a nation. By doing so, he has inspired the world and hopefully he has inspired you today when you think about that he died not having yet received what was promised he died in faith not out of faith what do i mean by that the tragedy is think of the hymn come now fount many of you have sung it before there's a compelling prophetic line in this song I'm prone to what? Wander. He knew his soul. I don't know the whole story of of the author of that song. What I do know is the end. And the end is that ultimately he denied his faith. He walked away and he died out of faith. Every single one of these individuals, these heroes listed in 11, died in their faith. And God was not ashamed to be called their God. So how did they do it? Being honorable. Being equipped. Being resilient. In the face of a super nasty world. Keeping their eyes focused on a heavenly objective. Lastly, this morning, uh, with this point, they acted like they didn't belong here. They acted like they didn't belong here. As we reviewed some of what was stated last night when Janine and I got home from the marriage conference, I was compelled at the very end, just like any pastor is compelled. I I, I find it hard in in these moments where pastors are supposed to just finish in prayer. Um, Let me know when you find one that just prays. They don't do commentary. They, it's it's in our blood. We can't help ourselves. We have to, and so that happened to me last night. And just sharing that, what struck me is that as we're hearing Francis and Lisa Chan share what they had, literally, uh, this was broadcast Friday night. We did a a, a a repeat version of it last night, and they just got back from Africa and working over there with the suffering that's going on. How many of you are ready to book a flight to go over to Africa and make changes? And what makes us any different than Lisa and Francis Chan? Because they're superheroes! He's written so many books! He's a God when it comes to pastors! No. I went to the same school Francis did. I served at the same church Francis did. I prayed over Francis at at conferences. Francis is just an individual that believes in the promises of God. That's the only difference. He's resilient in the face of all the muck that is around him. He's focused on what? On a heavenly home. And they don't act like they belong here. That's what's so different. That's what stands out. They're not caught up in all the day-in, day-out rigors of all the things that are going on. And it's not because they're superhuman because they make a choice. Because they see a heavenly goal. That is available to each of us every day. To make a choice. Last point. Optimist. What? By the way, that is an exact picture. We found that of Sarah. Um, many of you don't know that the iPhone captured her all the way back in 4th or 3rd century B.C. Um, optimist. Wow, that doesn't sound very spiritual. How many of you love optimists? Raise your hands. How many of you hate optimists? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're out there. You just won't admit it. There's a great another great line in one of the movies where there's tension between Iron Man and Cap. And there had been a discussion where Tony said because he had seen, Tony Stark Iron Man had seen the end in a vision and he's starting to relay it and he's coming unscrewed. And it's really, really hard for him because nobody else understands what he saw. And so as he's describing it, Cap says, well, we'll do that together too. Because Tony says, we're all going to die. We're all going to die doing this. And Cap just kept throwing out optimistic point after optimistic point after optimism. And so in the recent movie, Tony says again when they finally come together, there's that plucky optimism. (laughs) And he said it sarcastically because 98% of what Iron Man says is sarcastic. Optimism. What about Sarah? What about you and I? To be a, a hero, a spiritual hero needs to be optimistic. Well as we look at the account of Sarah, and I'm just going to paraphrase it real quickly, is that she's told in her old age that she'll be granted a child. It's connected to the covenant that God gives to Abraham that in His old age, that they will give birth to a nation that will far surpass the sand on the seashores. Really? Do you know? (laughs) Did you take a biology course, God? I mean, you made us, but it doesn't work that way at our age. And as this message is conveyed to Sarah, she laughs. She's not an optimist initially, but something changed. She got a heavenly focus. And in faith, she understood who her God is. I believe she even named her child after what? Laughter? So she remembered her initial response. But she was resilient. And somewhere in there, she changed to have an optimistic approach to the promise of God. Do you know the promises of God, brothers and sisters? Does it shape your living? Their thinking wasn't focused on their current situation. Sarah wasn't ultimately focused on her current situation. She traded that in for her understanding in faith of who God is and what God promised. Next, then they started seeking what was promised. Sarah started seeking. In order to be an optimist, you have to seek what is promised. You can't just sit there. Next, I want to share with you a contemporary spiritual hero. Uh, I recommend this book right here. I think it's worth the read. I think you all should grab this up off Amazon and get into this. Um, Some are a little hard to read because these people come from a different era, um, a different time, but there's some great, great stories. This is my personal hero, um, William Borden. And his story is such that he came from a very rich family on the East Coast. How many of you remember Borden Milk? You're old enough to remember Borden Milk. Um, for those who are under the age of, uh, of uh, I don't know, 30, milk actually comes from either a goat or a cow, not a store or a bottle. And uh, so his family made a lot of money off of milk. And uh, so at 16, he graduated and he was given, a, don't get any ideas to my daughter, um, he was given a trip around the world. Um, that's the kind of money they had. And while on that trip, God worked in His heart and His life and He became burdened for the people that He saw. That is one of the greatest things about doing missions. Get out of this environment. Get out of this bubble and see how the real world operates and works. We have what is commonly tomed as first world problems here. And they tend to hamstring us and, and handicap us on a ridiculous level. And so, that's what he did and when he came back, he was convicted that he wanted to go into missions. And so a friend of his heard that and really mocked him for it. And it was at that time that William Borden wrote in the back of his Bible, no reserves. And so he went on to go to Yale and he succeeded greatly at Yale. So much so that what, the work that God was doing with him This is recorded by his roommate. He sat with his roommate. Actually, initially he saw the spiritual state of a university in this country around 1910-1919. And he was vastly disappointed in what he saw. And so he gathered with his roommate and said, let's start praying together every day. And they started praying together. And the roommate accounts that first it was just him, and then he doesn't know how long it took, but then there was a third. By the end of that year, uh, there were hundreds that were gathering in prayer. Uh, While William Borden was at Yale, he established an on-campus ministry that activated the spiritual lives of spiritually dead people. He started an outreach in the Commons area in Boston. And uh, to this day, I believe that is still active. Borden would go after the ones that nobody else would go after. And this is when he is in his early 20s. And it's said that when he graduated, he went on to Princeton, pursued his seminary degree, and was in process of continuing to pursue this life of missions. When he left, when he left Yale, out of the 1,300 students, 1,000 of them were involved in that Bible study slash prayer time. By the way, what did they do? Basically, he focused on the promises of God and prayed the promises of God. Saw incredible things happen. Saw heroic things happen. Because all the while, he was focused on heaven. He was focused on his heavenly Father. And you move forward, and he graduates from Princeton, and he decides that because he's seen as one who is affluent, and there's always the temptation of the money of his family, he cuts off that money he continues to proceed forward with pursuing missions. He decides that he wants to minister to uh, a certain Muslim sect in China. And so at that time, he renounces his fortune and he writes in the back of his Bible, no retreat. On the way, because he was on the East Coast, on the way to China, uh, because of uh, this particular group, he would need to know Arabic. So he stopped, uh, ironically, in Egypt and to study... Uh, Arabic, and while there, he contracted spinal meningitis and died at age 25. William Borden did more before he was 25 than I've done in, in my 42 years of life. What? what you, I don't know what you guys are talking about. All right, fine, in my 48 years of life. Uh, William Borden done, did a lot. It is said that in the final day of his life, or two days of his life, he reached for his Bible, which was on his nightstand, knowing that he would pass and not see the things what? Promised? What did he write in the back of his Bible? No regrets. And God was not ashamed to be called His God. And God has prepared a place in heaven for William Borden. But the beautiful thing is, he acted in faith, and he's a hero because he acted in faith. And for each of us, there's only one entry that goes into the book of life. It is just as important as William Borden's. It is just as important as Moses's. Is your name there? And are we making the choices to live a heroically spiritual life? I'm excited about this path or or this series and I pray that we see great things happen because we're going to not just preach we're not going to just talk the talk we're going to walk the walk we're going to give you opportunities to respond over this summer as we continue in our build theme this morning as I finish my prayer for you and for myself is that I live a heroic life If I ever got a tattoo, it would say, No reserves, no retreat, no regrets. Right across my forehead. (laughs) So nobody would miss it. But I'm not getting a tattoo. My encouragement to us today is The Avengers is just a story, it's a comic book. But I venture to say it was written. And the reason the world is willing to spend billions of dollars to go see that story and are enamored with that story is because they don't know this one yet. So can we please pass on the better story, the more powerful story? Let me close in prayer, and then as I do so, you're going to have time to nominate people with a testimony of a hero here at CBC. And so be thinking, be thinking, how have you seen God work in someone's life here at CBC? Let me pray. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Thank you for this message. And as we kick off this series, continue to walk with us. I ask that your spirit would vibrantly wake our souls so that we would pursue And we would think of a heavenly home, not the one we've come from. That, Lord, we would walk in faith and we would know that that will be a struggle, but it is a worthwhile one that at the end game, it is one that says that you are not ashamed to be called our God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.